The race for mayor heating up with two weeks until Election Day. We're sitting down with Mayor Joe Hogsett as his Republican opponent, Jim Merritt, chooses a Democrat to be his police chief. Plus, a preview of the Curtis Hill hearings, the latest news on impeachment, and the 2020 Democrats back on the debate stage. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana, this is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. We're here at the Indianapolis Public Library today as we focus on the future of Indianapolis. Along with these amazing views of the city skyline, today we're getting the candidates' views on some of the big issues facing our city. 16 days from now, voters go to the polls in Indianapolis. We're eight days away from the mayoral debate on Fox 59. We'll be revealing some of the topics for that debate coming up later this morning. But first, amidst a very busy week on the campaign trail, Here's my conversation with Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. Here with Mayor Hogsett, less than two weeks now until Election Day. Polls have shown you in the lead. How do you feel about this race as we enter the final stretch? I always take every race uh, competitively. Uh, and uh, I can tell you that over these next two weeks, I'll be uh, all over the community trying to talk to as many people and reach out to as many people as I can uh, in a more colloquial way. I guess uh, the best way to describe it is I'm running as if I'm 20 points behind. Your Republican opponent just announced he would make Democrat Bill Benjamin his police chief if elected. What's your reaction to that news? Well, that's up to, uh, you know, uh, my opponent. Uh, I, uh, I've never heard uh, somebody making uh, an announcement of that nature before the actual election is uh, conducted. but. Look, Ed, my reaction is uh, that uh, I have enjoyed a very, very good working relationship with the police chief, Brian Roach. I'm proud of what Brian and IMPD have accomplished. I'm deeply satisfied that the numbers of uh, overall violent crime and particularly homicides seem to be going down, uh, which is the right direction uh, for those numbers to be going. And I think in no small measure, uh, we've seen a reduction in overall violent crime and homicides because of the leadership of Brian Roach and because of his command staff and the rank and file of IMPD doing a good job. Now, I must also say, Dan, that we've uh, also invested a record amount of money in crime reduction, crime prevention, and crime intervention. Uh, which I think has played a role in the reducing uh, of the numbers uh, surrounding crime. But uh, I'm fully confident that Chief Roach is doing a great job as chief. Uh, nearly 25,000 Democrats, though, did vote for Bill Benjamin in the primary for the sheriff's race. Are you at all concerned that many of those voters uh, could now vote for your opponent, that they may want to see Bill Benjamin as police chief since they voted for him? For sheriff. Oh, I think that uh, it, it, I would refer to the old adage that um, people never vote uh, for president of the United States solely based on who the vice president is. They no, vote for president. And I think this is going to be a race between uh, the Republican nominee, the Libertarian nominee, and the Democratic nominee, which happens to be me, and I think voters will make up their minds based on the overall plans and programs that either I've implemented uh, over the last four years and how successful those have been, 
over and against what uh, my Republican and, and Libertarian opponents have offered in, in alternative. And I think that's the basis upon which this race will be decided. You mentioned violent crime. We did see several more shootings in the city last week. Your opponent has been critical of you on that issue. Here's what he said last week. We do have a crime problem, and there is one person who owns it, Joe Hogsett. What's your response to that? Well, the mayor uh, ultimately has to be responsible for providing public safety for the people of this, the city of Indianapolis. And uh, I take that responsibility very seriously. Now, the truth is also um, we have begun a process of uh, at least reducing the overall crime, violent crime, that the city experiences. And uh, this may very well be the first year since 2012 that Indianapolis has seen a year-over-year -year reduction in the number of homicides and in the number of aggravated assaults. Another important local office when it comes to crime is, of course, the prosecutor's office. Ryan Mears was just elected chosen by the party to replace Terry Curry. You had been backing a, another candidate, and accordingly, some have described this as uh, somewhat of a political defeat for you as mayor. Do you see it that way? Well, I'd answer that question the same way I answered the previous question, and that is, uh, you know, I supported uh, a longtime personal uh, friend, the lawyer for the mayor, uh, just on the basis of the relationship that I enjoy with him. Uh, I think Ryan Mears has been an outstanding prosecutor, uh, and I think he will do a, a very good job as prosecutor. What are you hoping to show voters when you go up against your opponents in the debate on Fox 59 later this month? Oh, I think that it always comes down to the type of record that you have uh, accomplished. The people of Indianapolis feel like we're headed in the right direction, and I'm committed, if given another four years, to serve as the leader of our city to continue the progress that we've made. We're looking forward to talking about all of those issues, having a good conversation with you and your opponents here in a couple weeks. Thank, Thank you, Mayor Dan. Thank I look you. forward to it, too. And we'll be sitting down next week with Senator Jim Merritt. Right now we're sitting down with Importantville's Adam Wren, who's also a contributing editor at Politico and Indianapolis Monthly. Your thoughts on, on this week's developments in the race for mayor and the potential impact here of Senator Merritt teaming up with someone like Bill Benjamin. That's right. Well, I think Senator Merritt is certainly throwing a Hail Mary. Uh, we're getting down to the wire here. And this gambit, you know, it could pay off uh, with, with particularly parts of the black community. You know, Bill Benjamin uh, is someone who's won 24,000 votes uh, in his race for sheriff. And 24,000 votes could, depending on turnout, ostensibly, you know, change uh, the course of the election. What do you think we'll hear from uh, the mayoral candidates when we uh, meet with them on the debate stage here next week as they try to talk about some of the issues that are important to Indianapolis voters? You know, it seems to me that down the home stretch that uh, Senator Merritt is really focusing on public safety. Uh, that seems like the area where Hogsett uh, is potentially the most the most weak. Uh, you know, pothole season is, is far behind us. And so talking about infrastructure might not have as much cachet as talking about uh, the murder rate. You know, we're seeing significant um, homicides uh, in the downtown Mile Square. 
Um, and those really hit home, I think, with voters. All right, we'll see the candidates on the debate stage, as we said, eight days from now. Meantime, we saw South Bend's mayor on the debate stage with the 2020 presidential candidates this past week. What, what stood out to you the most? You know, I think we saw a different Pete Buttigieg. I think it's hard not to come away from the debate and conclude that uh, he uh, had much sharper elbows, particularly with Senator Elizabeth Warren. Um, I think that he was punching up at her uh, on uh, on Tuesday night. I think that he was uh, really focused on drawing a contrast and positioning himself in the center of the debate. He's sort of making a bet that Senator Bernie Sanders is going to uh, fall away uh, with, with voters and that Biden is going to stumble eventually and that uh, the race could come down to him and Elizabeth Warren. And so he wants to be the centrist alternative to her. And, and he certainly did take her on at, at moments and also had that position on the stage uh, right next to, to her and, and, and Joe Biden uh, positioned right there perhaps as one of the front runners. Yeah, I think one of the interesting top level takeaways from the debate was that what we saw on stage is starting to mirror what we see in the polls in the early states in the sense that it's a four way race. Uh, you know, Senator Sanders uh, and, and um, Senators Warren, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, and the South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. That seems to be pulling away from the rest of the pack. You spoke last week with Indiana Senator Todd Young at an event you held downtown who shared really some pretty candid thoughts on the Democratic field. What do you have to say? Yeah, I had asked him, you know, who, if he could pick the Democratic uh, nominee to run against, uh, who, who, who he would pick. And I was surprised that, first of all, that he answered the question directly. Uh, you, know, you don't, you don't want to set a predicate for yourself uh, oftentimes in politics. But he said, you know, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Um, and I, I, I do think that mirrors with what we're hearing from the Trump uh, re-election campaign as well. They think that she is out of touch with uh, red parts of the country like Indiana, and they would prefer to run against her than someone like, say, uh, a, a Joe Biden or even uh, Pete Buttigieg. All right, Adam, thank you so much. I'll be back later to reveal some of the topics for our mayoral debate later this month. But right now, let's send it back to Nick McGill for more of this week's top stories. Nick? Thanks, Dan. In the midst of ongoing impeachment inquiry, the president's also facing more criticism from Republicans and Democrats over the situation in Syria. Vice President Mike Pence traveled to Turkey trying to arrange a ceasefire. This is Congress voted overwhelmingly to condemn the president's decision to pull American troops out of the region. All but three Republicans voted to condemn the decision. Congressman Pence, Baird and Hollingsworth all voting no. Up next, will Republicans stick with President Trump through the impeachment inquiry? One Republican candidate who's hoping to challenge the president came here to Indianapolis this week. We'll explain. And we'll preview the Curtis Hill hearings at the State House this coming week as our panel weighs in on the potential implications. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. Mick Mulvaney there delivering what some are calling either a big oops or a stunning revelation. We'll discuss it here. We've got our panel here, conservative commentator Abdul Hakeem Shabazz, Dr. Laura Wilson, and former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Wilson. Thank you for starting with us. Uh, Abdul, I'll start with you. Damning or dud? Uh, how about very, very damning and borderline done? I mean, what we saw this week, when you have the White House chief of staff basically saying, yeah, we did try to 
you know, get the Ukrainians to give us dirt, we threaten to hold, withhold money. And then it's like, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Can I take that back? It's like, no, 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 no. This, this type of stuff is not good. Uh, and this is, once again, but the problem I've always had with the Trump White House and the anti-establishment crowd, when you don't have grown-ups running the White House, this is the type of things that you get. The one thing about the establishment, they know how to run the trains on time. These people, how they manage to stay in charge, I have no idea. <laughs> but will it have an impact on the polls is the question. Well, in some degree, yes, because it was very much a dud. That was a horrible thing to say. And you, you start to question, so what's really going on here? Um, I, I think at the same time, you're going to have people like the Trump base that are going to stick with the president no matter what. And, and, of course, you'll have kind of that partisan and polarization divide between Democrats and Republicans that we've seen. In that regard, I don't think it's going to matter, but there should be a change as we get more and more into these impeachment inquiry questions and, and what really happened and what people knew and what people ultimately did. Will this be a key piece for Democrats to use as a goal? Golden bullet, if yeah, you say. you got a guy looking like John Dean on television making an announcement that they violated the law. I mean, direct tie, and then he said, and we do it all the time. I mean, it's part of our foreign policy. So, yes, of course it's going to be damning, and we're going to use it. And the big question is, what will the president react? We've heard some reactions from him, said, oh, I didn't really see it, but I think he did a good job. Do you think he really feels that way? I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump, the only thing Donald feels is Donald Trump. And as long as his base loves him, they can go to a place like you know, Wisconsin or Minnesota or Dallas, Texas, you know, get the you know, tens of thousands of people you know, chatting and cheering. To him, all this other stuff is noise. As long as he thinks he's got his base, he thinks he's fine. Oh, gotcha. Let's pivot now to the debate that was this week. Twelve Democratic candidates all vying. And, Laura, it seemed not so much that they were fighting against each other as they were fighting against Elizabeth Warren. Well, yes, and she's the front runner. I think that's probably why that was the case. You have the target on their back if you're leading, and that's what people are focused on. You heard a lot about this question of Medicare for all versus Medicare for those who want it, and it's probably because Warren eclipsed Biden in the polls, and she's been on that more progressive left. She's been arguing for expanding Medicare, and, and so that was really a big topic of conversation, and people were looking to pick her off. We've seen uh, Democrats who have mostly been more docile in their approach now really start taking aim at some of their competitors. Is that the best strategy for them at this point? Do they just need to draw attention to themselves? Or if they're not in the top three, do they just need to fade away? Oh, no, they can't fade away. they got to get attention because, you know, the evaluative criteria for the next debate is how many dollars have you raised? Where do you stand in the polling? If you're way back in the pack, you're not going to even be on the stage next time and try having a debate by yourself. It's not a real fun thing. So the reality is, is that they have to do that. They have to have their breakout moment. Klobuchar was trying at every angle she could. Uh, Gabbard was trying at every angle she could because they know there's no tomorrow if they do not move up in the polls. It's still, though, President Trump's race to lose. Uh, so it is, you know, is this the best strategy for Democrats here? And is there one of the 12 who honestly has a viable shot at taking the president down? I would argue that after this week, uh, probably it's your Joe Bidens and your Pete Buttigieg, if Pete can kind of still pivot toward uh, the middle, are, are sort of your best hope. I mean, we look at some of the things that uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth 23 and me Warren are <laughs> asking for. And I'd say if you want to be Elizabeth Warren, just use a DNA test, and then <laughs> she won't be able to pass it at all. But the, the thing is, I mean, uh, most of America is in the middle. That is where America is. And come around with this nonsense of, you know, we're going to take away your health care and all this other stuff. That is not going to fly. Americans are compassionate people. We want to make sure people have health insurance and people can make decent wages. But, you know, government-mandated takeover socialism is not going to fly. Gotcha. All right. Well, meantime, one of the Republican presidential candidates was here in Indy this week. Former South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford is trying the primary president but faces a steep uphill battle. Some states aren't even holding Republican 
primaries, but could we see others into the race, even with news of the last few weeks, like perhaps a John Kasich? Well, certainly some people have mentioned and indicated they're interested. I think it's going to be really hard. You have an incumbent president who, though he's fluctuated in terms of popularity, still has a really strong base. And it's really awful as a party, I think, to pivot away from your president who ultimately won the election and say, no, no, we're going to try someone else. We're going to look at someone else. Um, you'll have voters, and I think you'll have candidates who will, will put their names in the hat, people who will be interested in them. But long term, I, I think we're going to see Trump in November competing against whichever Democratic candidate wins the primary. Gotcha. I mean, could it, is it possible? We are seeing uh, more and more Republicans either condemn Trump on some of the things he's doing. Could there be a complete shift that would be needed, perhaps, to get another candidate up there? Depends on what comes out on this impeachment talk. Also, keep in mind the filing deadlines are important. Part of the reason that a lot of Republicans have not stepped out about against this guy is because they fear a, a challenge in their own primary. Once we get through South Carolina, Lindsey Graham doesn't have an opponent. He may actually be more free to speak like he used to. And some other people, Cory Gardner in Colorado, might actually be able to do the same. So watch the filing deadlines also. Interesting. Let's shift to something here more locally. Something to watch for this coming week at the State House. Attorney General Curtis Hill facing a disciplinary hearing, which could potentially lead to the loss of his law license. You kind of need that. What are you expecting out of the hearing this next week? Uh, this is going to be a little tricky uh, because the question is for the disciplinary commission: What type of recommendation do you come back with? Uh, under Indiana law, the attorney general must be licensed and in good standing to practice law, which means they disbar him or recommend disbarment, and the Supreme Court follows through. He's gone. But the million dollar question is whether they just recommend a temporary suspension, say like a day or two. Okay, does he have to step down for two days and then you come back and run again next year at the Republican convention? Because outside of this 465 bubble, Curtis Hill has a lot of support from a lot of the rank and file of Republicans. Uh, there's some talk that whatever the commission does, they want to make sure it's a clean you know, clean sweep, clean break one way or the other, but it's going to be interesting to watch this week. I was going to ask that if at most it is a temporary suspension of his license, what does that do for his standing here? Does that turn voters off enough to get him out? Yeah, well, there's the one question on constitutionality, as Abdul discussed, but in, in terms of a voter response, uh, this has been a long, slow bleed for him. This happened, uh, I think, what, two, two years ago? Yes, years ago. exactly. And so uh, from that perspective, I, I think you do keep you hear his name, but only in negative terms. And so for a lot of people, they don't necessarily know who the attorney general is, but it doesn't put him in a positive light. Um, he'd have some, as we said, some strongholds, some places of support, but it certainly puts him in a more vulnerable position. Also want to get you guys' thoughts on the mayoral race with a couple of weeks until Election Day. Bill Benjamin saying he will indeed serve as Jim Merritt's police chief if Merritt is elected mayor. You once called that move shrewd for right. Merritt to say Benjamin will be my chief. Is sure. it a power move then for Benjamin to come and say, yes, I will? Yeah, well, I mean, they've got on television. That's what it's really down to. Jim Merritt doesn't have the money to be on television at the level that Joe Hogsett does. So he's got to come up with innovative ways to be on it. This race is going to come down to turnout. Last time, 22% of the people in Marion County voted for mayor. That means 78% did not. They have to get, Joe has to get his turnout up, and I believe that he will. I believe he's in good shape, but we still have two weeks to go. Watch for a couple other things that come on. There will be more and more negative ads between now. It would be scarier than Halloween. Is it possible for mayor to make a big surge within this next two weeks? I believe, I agree with uh, Robin, which is going to freak everybody out here. And by the way, as you can see, we are not the same person, for those of you watching at home. After 10 years, uh, number one, uh, does Jim Merritt have a chance of victory? Yes. We've all seen the politics. Anything can happen. Now, the likelihood, you know, the closer we get to Election Day uh, at Indy Politics, we're just wrapping up some polling. We'll be putting out some new numbers next week. Uh, let people know exactly uh, where the mayor's race is. Uh, but the, the Jim Merritt's best hope is a low voter turnout. 
because remember, Bill Benjamin also brought 25,000 votes with him in that last Democrat primary. If those folks decide to go follow him, we could have a game changer. What's the key factor in this race here? Well, I think money, probably most of all, and then to echo Robin, turnout. Uh, these are two really important factors. Uh, local races, people generally don't pay a lot of attention to, so the candidates have to get people excited and out to the polls, and then ultimately voters have to be there and mark the ballots. All right, thank you guys for joining us. Up next, Dan's back with a preview of the Indianapolis mayoral debate and a look at the three topics they'll be exploring when the candidates square off later this month. A reminder that once again, eight days from today, we'll be hosting the final Indianapolis mayoral debate, the only live televised debate of this mayoral campaign. And today we're revealing more information on the format for our debate. It starts at 7 o'clock next Monday night, October 28th. I'll be serving as moderator and we'll be focusing our conversation on three main topics, crime and public safety, roads and transportation, and economic development. We're also taking some of your questions to the candidates. You can submit a question at fox59.com debate. We'll be asking some of those questions from you, our viewers, in a post-debate live stream on fox59.com. It's time for our own winners and losers. We'll start with you. Uh, losers, unfortunately, anybody who works in the White House, people just want to do a really good job, serve the American people, caught up in all of Donald Trump's nonsense. So there are my losers, unfortunately. Uh, winners, anybody who gets down to the Indy Bart Fest and sees uh, Henry IV at the District Theater, because I am playing King Henry, IndyBartFest.com. And yes, I am doing it in blackface, but it is historical, so we're all good. A man of many talents, <laughs> all right. There you well. go. Uh, my winners and losers both involve the Democratic debates. I think winners, we always complain about not getting enough policy. You definitely got policy here, but three hours, three moderators, 12 candidates. It was a lot. I think there's a little bit of fatigue there, and even as someone who enjoys this, I, there was a lot going on. I was going to ask, at what point does fatigue set in for this large field? I, I think it does, especially if you're not really focused on it. You know, just your average American voter, it's tiring. Okay. I think Donald Trump's given us enough fatigue, but <laughs> the winners are the men and women of the United Auto Workers. I mean, they stood in line, they stood up to GM, and they won, um, proving unions are still viable. The losers, anybody working in foreign policy for Donald Trump. All right. Appreciate that. My stepfather, actually, one of those auto workers in Kansas City. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.